0: Monmon and I first traveled to Tokyo, Japan as tourists. Equipped with Google Translate in our pockets, we were confident we could get by without understanding a word of Japanese. As soon as we arrived at our hotel room, I rushed to the toilet to relieve my tummy filled with food from a 13-hour flight from Chicago and an additional hour of bus ride from Narita International Airport. Seated comfortably on the throne, I noticed two items attached to the wall, one familiar, the other not so much. On my right-hand side is a standard landline telephone, while on my left-hand side is a rectangular control panel filled with mysterious buttons. The functions were all written in Japanese, so I couldn't tell what they do. I don't have my smartphone with me, so no chance of asking Google either. One button had a label that looks like a curvy letter W with a small dashed letter Y below it. As soon as I pressed the button, it made a mechanical sound, and whoo! something just sprayed water up my anus, and the precision was spot on. I guess I just found the bidet function. was having fun. There are a lot of buttons to play with. One made a seat warmer, another played a water flushing sound, and another made an actual flush. There is one button though that looked different from the rest. It had a bright red font. Again, the text was in Japanese so I'm not sure what the button is for. I saved the best for last. I giggled as I reached for the special button. Hmm, nothing happened. Very anticlimactic. I pressed it again, and this time, with stronger force. The telephone ring startled me. Hello? Uh, sorry, I don't speak Japanese.
1: Are you okay? You pressed
2: emergency button.
0: Um, Oops. In this episode of Bananakiu Podcast, I interview two extra special guests where we talk about the importance of language and cultural context in living and working in a country far away from home. First is a good friend of mine, Edmund, who has been living in Japan for about five years. We talk about Japanese language, and we attempt to figure out whether one can survive working in Japan without speaking a word of the local language. Next is an interview with Monmon's dear friend, Shane. We talk about her rich experience as a full-time missionary for Couples for Christ in the past 11 years. She shares interesting stories about her struggles living in foreign countries with cultures very different from that of the Philippines. Without further ado, here's our conversation.
2: Let me start with the, the move first. Mm. It came from a job opportunity. Okay. So I moved because of the job. It wasn't really for a particular love of Japan. <laughs> I, I didn't actually been to Japan before I moved to Japan for oh, job. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. So I, I didn't know any Japanese. Mm. Um, to be quite honest, it, it was a tough move to leave your country to move to another country which you have never been before and try to live there by yourself. So that was the move, and the journey was, I would say, relatively easy. I think you can find various avenues to learn basic Japanese, so Hiragana, Katakana. I think it's quite easy, gotcha. and, and and I'm kind of blessed because I know Chinese.
0: Ah yes. So the characters, the, the kanji comes in naturally to you?
2: Yeah. So I'm from Singapore. Mm. So, so the Chinese characters there are based on simplified Chinese. Okay. Most of the kanji that you see in Japan are traditional Chinese. So it doesn't mm-hmm. appear natural to me right mm-hmm. away. But because of the education in Chinese language, there's a certain system for you to guess the meaning of ah. each of the characters. Gotcha. So once you know the basics, it's not difficult
0: to get around. Knowing the characters is one thing, but speaking is a totally different ballgame.
2: Yeah, that's true. So for me, the biggest challenge comes with the sentence structure. It's very different from what I have been taught, what I've been using for my whole life. Because I use English, I use Chinese. The sentence structure for English and Chinese is similar. Ah, I see. But It's completely different in Japanese.
0: When you mention sentence structure, what we mean by that is the order to where you would normally find the components of a sentence. So you have a subject, you have a verb, and you have an object. So in Japanese, you would normally have that opposite way. You would still see the subject probably in the first part of the sentence, but you would see the object before, and then the last part will be the verb. So essentially, when you talk to somebody in Japanese, you always need to wait for the final part of the sentence. Because without knowing the verb, you don't know what the meaning of the sentence is.
2: Correct. That is really one of the things that I struggle a lot with. Mm. The other big challenge for me is... Just a variety of ways you can pronounce one word or one kanji, right? So yeah. for, for one kanji character, there will be two, three, four different ways to pronounce it. So I can know the meaning. But for me to speak, for me to catch when, when I'm listening to it, it's really tough. Ah. Because I would remember maybe one pronunciation for that kanji, mm. for that action, for that verb. But then it, it will come back to me in, in another way.
0: Ah, I see what you mean. In the spoken Japanese language... It preexisted before the introduction of kanji as a writing system. So what they did is they still used the traditional Japanese word for that, but then they kind of introduced the kanji characters into that language. So it's normal to see kanji characters that have multiple reading pronunciation. I think one, one easy
2: example for, for most people to visualize is the word Tokyo. right? Okay. So yeah. to in Japanese is ease. Ah yes. Right? But is can be Higashi as well. Yes. So if you do not know Higashi and somebody tell you tells you Higashi something, mm. you'll never guess it
0: you'll never know what exactly (laughs) so you
2: know the kanji of course but Mm. but somebody just said Higashi Ginza what the heck is Higashi Ginza
0: (laughs) (laughs) but when you see the characters "Eh? it's East Ginza it's the same as Tokyo yes yes (laughs) yes And you've mentioned there are a lot of avenues to learn but the the ultimate way for you to learn the language is to slowly and slowly try to incorporate it in your life so have you gained confidence in at least using it in everyday conversations to say buying somebody something from convenience store. Is that something that you're okay now? Yeah, indeed. I've become more (laughs) thick-skinned. What do you mean by that? So when I first came, so
2: I I know some basic Japanese, right? So Mm. I I learned from the app, I learned from YouTube, and what's not. But I'm really shy to to expose myself. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Right? So you're also really worried that the person is going to reply with this barrage of with this wall of Japanese words Ah. which you don't understand. Gotcha. Right? Uh. So so you're really hesitant. Uh. But nowadays, I just go up there and just throw whatever Japanese words I can. <laughs> I see. But of course, by managing their expectation, right? Yeah. So you go up there and you say that, sorry, I only know a little bit of Japanese. And then you carry on. Yes. And obviously, if they completely do not understand you, they will try to find somebody that, that, that could help. I think Japanese are very good at hospitality. That's true. So they're they are not going to kick you out simply because you're using bad Japanese.
0: I suppose you need that start yes. to, to get your confidence going. Because no matter how hard, at least for me, right? No matter how hard I read books, listen to audiobooks, watch YouTube, all of that goes out the window if I start speaking to somebody mm. in in real terms, maybe because my confidence is not that great yet and maybe I'm mispronouncing a lot of the words, but I suppose using it builds up the confidence and eventually kind of be more comfortable with the language itself. I think,
2: again, the Japanese culture is very accommodating. Mm. Obviously, different people think differently and, mm. and you can't say all Japanese people are the same, but in general, if you try, mm. I think they will try their best to help you anyway.
0: That's true. That's what I really love about Japanese as well. In fact, one of the reasons why I fell in love with Japan is we were here for three days. We were just kind of transiting from from the U.S. back to Singapore and we got lost. So we wanted to ask somebody how to get to the station. And then the Japanese person we asked directions from was not comfortable in speaking in English. And what he did amazed me. He actually walked with us towards the train station, just because he's not confident in his English. And I felt bad because he was on his way to the opposite direction. So he took the time, brought us to the station, and yeah, and I was forever grateful to that um, stranger. Yeah. And, and to me, it, it's very different from the experience I've had in other cultures. That was just a very good culture shock, but in a very positive way.
2: I'm not really surprised to find Japanese people really helping. Mm. I think what really makes things a little bit easier Mm. compared to four or five years ago when we first came to japan is the advent of technology ah yes right so actually recently i lost my wallet in japan (laughs) okay to be honest it's it's quite difficult to get everything settled in japan because Mm. a lot of the things are very manual Mm. very paperwork based but i was really surprised when i went to the police station right to Mm -hmm. report the loss of my wallet they are very open to use Google Translate.
0: Ah, yes.
2: Straight away, they flip out the the translator device that they had. It wasn't Google Translate, but it was some other translator device. Mm. I believe that's going to help a lot of foreigners coming into Japan just to get around because it will become more and more common. It was supposed to be this year, but with the Olympics coming, ah, yes. I think you, you don't have to be worry so much compared mm. to four or five or even 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, slowly and slowly, they're trying to embrace technology to kind of augment that gap. When we tried to get mobile lines, we went to SoftBank and the tellers, the service staff, couldn't comfortably speak in English. And what they did was they have a contact center. They will speak to that contact center in Japanese and they would give the phone to us, and that person in contact center will translate whatever mm. that service person has talked about in English. So it's like a telephone translator. Yep. But right now, you've mentioned that's like next level. So they're yes. now embracing a Google Translate or, or a similar service to actually translate real time. Yep. That's amazing. But let's talk about you coming from Singapore. And, and everybody knows it's a common knowledge that Singapore is a multicultural country. You have Malays, you have Chinese, you have Indians, but English is widely spoken there as well. And that's one of the reasons why it's natural for a Singaporean to to speak in English. If we contrast that with, say, Japan, it's a very different scenario. I, I tried to think about it, the reason why they haven't fully embraced English in their educational system, in their curriculum, in their everyday living, and It's probably because they were a fully civilized country or a civilized nation even before English-speaking kind of people came to Mm. to Japan. They already Mm. know math. They already know sciences. They have their own um, culture embedded down. And and to them to freely accept something foreign is probably a tough idea.
2: Mm. Recently, I thought about this problem as well. Mm. So why Japanese are not comfortable Mm. are not good at english right so how they can change Mm -hmm. uh, to 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 change the system so the root reason the root cause which i i taught Mm. is really the education system yeah so if you go to japanese schools basically Mm. science math Mm. geography everything is taught in japanese yeah you have a language class which is english but that's the only time you use English and yeah. even the English class yeah. is conducted in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you learn some English, but it comes back to the point that we, we, we spoke about just now. It's about using it. Yeah. Trying to incorporate in your incorporate it in your daily life. Yeah. That most young people do not have that opportunity.
0: Ah, I see. That's a very good point that you mentioned about the curriculum where they're using Japanese to teach the basic stuff, uh, science, math, If if we compare that with the Philippines, so the Philippines is a very different story because we were under the Spanish colonization for about 300 years. Mm. But back then, uh, the, the colonizers were hesitant in giving education to Filipinos so that they won't revolt. So we didn't really have formal education until we were liberated through the help of the Americans. Essentially, the first real teachers that we got were from the U.S. And it's easier for American teachers to teach us sciences and math in English rather than them trying to learn Tagalog and teach us those subjects. So naturally, our curriculum are all based in English. And the only subject that we don't use English is our mother tongue or Filipino. Is that similar in Singapore? Like your curriculum is based in English as well?
2: Yeah. So in Singapore, basically all subjects mm. are being taught in English. Yeah. Except for the language class. Yeah. But the the difference is in the language class is taught in that language. Ah. For example, if you you walk into a Chinese language class, mm. you you don't have the teacher trying to teach Chinese in English.
0: I see. It's like immersion or now I wouldn't say immersion but just just using the, yes. the language yes. straight on not teaching you how to use it right Correct correct.
2: Yeah. So uh, I think you you just touched on a, a very good point right mm. about the teachers. Yeah. So I think that's also the the, the next part of my conversation mm. so how they can change yeah. the current situation that they have. So teachers play a plays a huge role. Yeah. So teachers needs to be comfortable yeah. using English. yeah, And that boils down to how Japanese teachers are being
0: trained. One popular route for foreigners to actually get a job in Japan. And what they do is they would hire foreigners not to be teachers, mm-hmm. but assistant language teachers. They still have that Japanese English professor. And then the, what, what the assistant teacher would do is they would offer the opportunity to converse in English and perhaps, you know, touch on some subjects as well. So it's not really them going full on, investing in hiring uh, foreign talent to teach English as a language.
2: Currently, the world is changing very fast. We, we see China coming up very strongly. Yeah. And Chinese is the second most spoken language in the world. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, if I'm in the Jap- Japanese government, if I want the best for the next generation, I need to weigh what is
0: <laughs> important, right? <I> gotcha. Right. <laughs> like, so you're open to the possibility of using Chinese, perhaps, yeah. as a more powerful tool in learning as a language.
2: I mean, sorry, I'm I'm Singaporean, so I'm very I'm very pragmatic, right? So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so we are a small nation, so we have to do. What the world is going right? Yeah, so we'll just follow follow the <laughs> leaders. <laughs>
0: that that's that's a really refreshing idea because for me coming from Philippines, it's always been English. That's at least what's uh, in my mind when we talk about international language. But you, you raised a very good point. Chinese as a language is very powerful because, as you've mentioned, there's a lot more audience. It's the widely spoken language, and considering China when it comes to economy wise, it's it's growing the fastest mm. and it's trailing behind the biggest uh, economy in the US so, so yeah, that, that's fair point. If I had this conversation 20 years ago, mm. I, I would have started learning <laughs> Chinese as well <laughs> <laughs> can talk about experiences. Do you Did you have any embarrassing experiences that you want to share with us, like perhaps because of a gap in, in the language? I don't think
2: I have been in such a situation, partly because I, I know kanji.
0: You come with only one disadvantage, and that's you not being able to converse, you know, spoken. But for me, I can't understand the kanji characters. Mm. I had a lot of embarrassing moments. One time, my, my wife asked me to buy vegetable oil because mm. she mm. wants to cook. I couldn't understand any of the languages, and so I I just bought the closest looking <laughs> to vegetable oil. But then I actually bought mirin sauce, which is a totally <laughs> different item altogether. But I, I I still don't know exactly what that is for. I think it's there. There's some sake component in it, oh, I and see. there's uh, it's quite sweet. Definitely, totally different. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not used the same as vegetable oil. So it's like one. cooking wine or something. Yeah. Not being able to speak the language kind of puts a cap on where I can go. Of course, there are opportunities to grow in international firms because there's quite a few international firms who are here in Japan. And for some of them, they don't mind you not speaking the language. Like for me, I'm working in Japan, but I'm not comfortable really with the language. So there are opportunities, but obviously it limits your choices. Mm. You definitely would be hard-pressed getting into a, let's say, a, a Japanese firm. Because for one, the population of the employees, the, your colleagues will not be comfortable speaking in English. And that's why it just becomes ineffective for you to be part of the team because it's hard to collaborate. It's hard to synergize with you.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm not so sure about you. I'm, I'm not really interested to join a Japanese company. I think <laughs> I
0: culturally it's going to clash a lot. What tips can we offer? Uh, both you and I, we've been living in Japan for a little over four years. What are the things we hoped and we wished we should have done before arriving to Japan so that it kind of helps us at least get a good starting point. I
2: think we have to try to set the stage. Hmm. I think it's very rare for a Japanese company to employ a non-Japanese that do not speak Japanese. Yeah. So we, we we can take that out of the picture. So, assuming you're coming to Japan, you're working for an MNC company, right? Mm-hmm. But still, you're living in Japan. So, you yes. need to have some basic j- survival skills. Yeah. My suggestion is to get a Japanese friend. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Straight away. So, Straight away. Um, because with very limited time, the amount of level up you can do to improve your Japanese skills <laughs> is limited.
0: <laughs> and I agree with that because the grammar, the words, sentence structure... You can learn that on your own, but to give you that boost in confidence and in conversational skills, having a friend to talk to without getting conscious of errors helping you along the way kind of helps you a lot. Well, what are the avenues, common avenues of you? Say, for example, you're still not in Japan. Yep. Are there avenues of you getting a Japanese friend?
2: My, my suggestion to the Filipino friends uh, mm. will be to try to reach out to the embassy. I think the embassy will be able to help you to link up to some Filipino friends who are already based in Japan. Ah. And then they will be able to link you up to Japanese speaking people.
0: That's a very good tip. Like go, go straight to the source. These offices would typically have existing programs to bridge the gap between, you know, language barriers and being um, more open to to foreigners. And in fact, there are a lot of Filipino-Japanese communities and most of them organize events and link you up with somebody, um, you know, on on an exchange basis. And in fact, a lot of students can study a semester here in Japan for as long as your, your university offers that exchange program. And of course, digital platforms nowadays are are prevalent uh, goes without saying There are applications like italki facebook uh, like just just go to community community sites that you know have that opportunity and for sure yeah it's not that hard to uh, get get to know somebody and converse and the good thing about having a japanese friend is they also want to learn english so that means it becomes a language exchange you give them the exposure to speak in english and you have the exposure to speak in Japanese, so yep. both of you learn. So it's symbiotic <laughs> relationship.
2: And, and there's also a practical side to it, right? So mm. having someone that you can rely on when you first come to Japan, mm. especially the first month, is going to be super helpful because... Whether you are talking about getting a mobile line, trying to get internet for your apartment, trying to find an apartment. Yeah. Very basic things, right? Yeah. Having someone who is able to to call the company to troubleshoot it for you is yeah. is going to be very helpful. I think I can give another tip about kanji.
0: Okay, yes, yeah. please. About
2: learning the Japanese language. Mm. So you're planning to come to Japan. You're living here in, in one month's time, right? So mm. most people will tell you, oh, learn hiragana, learn katakana go ahead and learn them, right? Mm. And you can learn them quite quickly because it's just like ABC. Yeah. But my suggestion is to also learn the basic kanji characters. Mm. Because if, if you look at the kanji system, it's part of a formula. Yeah. It's not difficult to learn the system, but you need to learn some basic characters first. And once you have some knowledge of the basic characters, it's easy for you to catch the meaning of the character. Ah, Gotcha. And we are, I'm not talking about a thousand characters. Hmm. So when I say basic characters, I mean basic formative characters, that, that's usually part of a character.
0: Ah, gotcha. In some books, they, they call it radicals.
2: Yes. I think you can learn 50? 50. 50 and, and, then and f- y- from, from that 50 you will be able to mix and match Ah, and so it's like blocks of Lego correct and and from that 50 you will expand your vocab quite significantly
0: oh that's a really good tip because honestly uh, I think I'm doing it wrong uh, I'm learning kanji by the character not even distinguishing which ones are radicals or which ones are the root kanjis yes then, then yeah I'm actually struggling a lot and right now I've actually stopped learning because I got frustrated
2: my, my tip if you are not in Japan yet mm-hmm. is to try to visit an authentic Japanese restaurant oh <laughs> I I believe you can find them everywhere yeah but I believe there's a lot of right. Europeans as well right. okay so find an authentic Japanese restaurant mm. get in mm. uh, most likely the waiter the waitress the cooks they, they can speak in your local language right mm-hmm. so and, and try to learn from them I so see. try to observe how they, they treat their customers mm. how they converse mm. uh, how they behave and, and and that will be a base to work on. Uh, alternatively, obviously, you can also visit the Japanese embassy. Yeah, There are a lot of brochures. Yeah, um, and, and you can get a lot of materials and resources about that. Uh, and obviously, the best way is to find a Japanese friend <laughs> based, in, based in your local country. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I
0: think that's the ultimate goal. Right. Uh, and I think it answers a lot of questions. And it solves a lot of your problems if you have that connection. And for those people who are stuck at home, can't do all those things then I think a good compromise would be try and watch movies. And mm. like if I take a look at Netflix, there are now Japanese-themed shows. Mm. So for my personal experience, I learned a lot through this show called Shinya Shokudo. And it's called Midnight Diner in English. And the story goes, so the the chef has a restaurant that opens only from midnight. And there's no fixed menu. You can order what you want. If the chef or if the master, as they call it, has the ingredients, then yes, he can cook that for you. And and the story circulates towards the life of the patrons. And so there are a lot of topics being talked about. They talk about their practices and their religion, what are their beliefs, what what holidays do they have, how do they celebrate the dead, how do they celebrate birthdays, all of those kind of nitty gritty of the culture. Mm. You can learn it in a fun, interesting, entertaining Mm, kind mm, of way. mm.
2: I think that's a really good tip. Uh, I think for the for the audience, maybe they they should just make sure to differentiate. There are certain parts of the Japanese media which doesn't really represent
0: Japan. Ah, so. That's true. <laughs> find, find the right one. That's a very good point. Just watching anime gives you a lot of wrong contexts, because yes. <laughs> yes. a lot of them are so exaggerated, and 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 just and, and that's because their ultimate purpose. Is not to teach you culture. Their ultimate purpose is to entertain. Yeah. So, so yeah, please, use different lenses just to take a look. At, you know, don't look at it at prima facie basis. Otherwise, yes. you, you'll get confused arriving in Japan. This is not what Naruto did in a ramen <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> this is not what Naruto used in calling somebody. Yeah, so chances are you probably get punched in the face <laughs> just by following what Naruto does. Yes. <laughs> So we've talked about our experiences, we've talked about tips, and maybe one final thought would be, in a a yes or no form, and then probably an explanation is, can you survive living in Japan without speaking Japanese?
2: The answer is yes. I think with technology, with Mm. Google Translate, as long as you have a smartphone, Mm. you can get around most of the problems that yeah. you see nowadays google translate can translate from the photos mm. from the images from the cameras mm. the really good thing is google map mm. is really accurate in mm. japan as well mm. so that helps you to get around fairly easily without japanese you can survive you might just have to avoid going to restaurants <laughs> that, that do not have a printed menu yeah why do i say so because there are, there are many japanese small izakayas mm. small restaurants yeah they have handwritten menu and that's fine. But most of the handwriting are terrible or stylized. <laughs> so you can't Google translate those. So
0: <laughs> That's true.
2: <laughs> and if you can't communicate, then, then it's a problem. So if you go to a restaurant, check out their menu. If it's not Japanese, not printed, try to ask for an English menu. If they don't have it, then... Uh, sayonara (laughs) (laughs) or just look at what other people are eating and then just point to it and say I want this or I want that (laughs) cool
0: that's awesome that's actually funny I actually had that experience I tried to Google translate a menu with a very stylized font and then Google translated it as chicken and so I ordered it yes but then it was actually chicken feet (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah thank you very much Edmund no problem
1: everyone who are listening to this podcast. Hi, I'm Shane Ponchon. I am a missionary of Compass for Christ. I am, I am not a nun. I am not a religious <laughs> sister, but I am a lay person yes. okay, that commit to do pastoral work. I've been going to countries in the last 11 years to do mission.
0: Yeah, when I got to know that, Shane, that you've been doing pastoral services for like 11 years for full time, it kind of like, oh my God, that's amazing. Probably the time that we have in this podcast is not enough. We'll not do justice with the experiences we've gathered in 11 years. But maybe we zoom in on the specific experiences you've had with people of different cultures, your exchanges with them. How difficult is it as a Filipino Surviving in a different country.
1: The, the very the stereotypical um, notion of a missionary is that we go to third world countries. Mm. You know what I mean, like South Africa, definitely. So like that's how they think what missionaries do. But for me, in my eleven years, most of the countries that I that I went on mission is more on really most of them are first world countries. Um, I went to Europe, Middle East. Um, I did mission in. Singapore and, and and Indonesia and the longest mission for me was I went on mission to Canada really? for more than years in, in in those countries really I realized that I, I fully appreciate the resilience and the character really of Filipinos mm. Filipinos we are adaptable mm. I say um because we are very sociable people yes we are happy people it's easy for us to make friends and all but i guess really what i've observed um or in in my experience it is really a challenge for me to make myself understand mm. that when i visit the country when i do even plainly in visiting mm. I have to uh, make myself remember at all times that this is not Philippines. Mm, Yes. That I have to know and understand their culture. Yes. They might have things that um, they're used to doing things that for me, it could be that um, I'm not right, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can't force people to understand my culture gotcha because I am I am a foreigner in their land right right so it's, it's a challenge that for me especially that as a missionary you know this 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 um we, we call this the messianic the messianic syndrome for missionaries mm-hmm. that when we think that whenever we go to places we are the messiah Or like we came we're here to save people or, or we're here bringing the things that are right but you have to understand that we are dealing with people Mm. And people have different ways of thinking. Mm. They have different ways of doing things. So before we we tell people what to do and you have to do this and correct them, tell them that no, you should not do this, you should not do that. We have to understand them first. Yeah. What they think, right? How they how they deal with each other. How do they understand certain concepts? Because a lot of things that it's really different. Mm. Super different.
0: Whenever somebody from another country comes in as a visitor or as a foreigner, the easiest mistake you can make is assume everybody is the same. Assume everybody (laughs) thinks the way you think. You know, the languages that they speak probably is the same English, but they speak it in a way that has, you know, a lot of cultural context.
1: Definitely, definitely. Because Canada is very sensitive when it comes to racial discrimination.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay.
1: So (laughs) I was so used to well mm-hmm. for for the longest time mm. I thought that this word is not is not offensive okay. so we were eating at the Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. and then <laughs> I, I just um, said the remark to, to a friend and I told this person that your eyes are so chinky and they're like all of them <laughs> look at me like Adishnain you are so racist <laughs> oh no <laughs> to be honest, like, no yeah
0: And to us, that's normal. It's like... That's
1: normal, like... It's even a compliment sometimes. Yeah, right? Like, Mm. that's how you describe someone with small eyes. Yeah. But to them, chinky is very racist. It's offensive, especially for Asians, especially for Chinese. And we were eating at a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) 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 I felt like the world froze...
0: (laughs) Did you make that remark after the food was served or before? Because I think
1: <laughs> the- not after the food was served. Okay,
0: okay did you notice an extra charge on your bill? <laughs> oh, you made chinky as a remark. I might put additional charge on your bill. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that takes time, right? To put that into perspective. And it's a good thing. In Canada, I assume there's a lot of Filipinos. There's a big Filipino community that would help you at least understand and bridge that gap yeah. in, in knowing what yeah. Canadians are and who you know how they think in general.
1: It, it is really a challenge to know the culture but not losing your identity. Ah, yes. To, to strike the balance. Gotcha. Because the values of certain people forms the culture.
0: And I want to zoom in on what you mentioned about coming in as a missionary. You're labeled as if you're the Messiah. You're you're thinking differently, but then you're saying as well that what what makes you relatable is if you speak their own language, if you're able Mm -hmm. to relate to their experiences. How did you do that prior to coming to Canada? Did you, some, did you do some research? How would anyone involved in that kind of experience be able to prepare themselves to at least you know connect in a more
1: relatable manner? Um, I am just blessed that in the majority of the countries that I went to did mission. They can speak the language. But in Europe, I lived with non-Filipinos in a monastery for three months. And that was a challenge. But all of us, because we came from different um, countries, most of them are Europeans Mm. who don't speak the same language. So we Mm. speak English. I When we go to a place, especially for non-English speaking countries... It's crucial that we learn the language to survive, mm-hmm. to connect especially. Yeah. Some of some of my fellow missionaries, um, before they re- they're sent on mission to a non-English speaking countries, mm-hmm. they have to um, study. They have to learn the language first. Gotcha. Because we can go on mission without knowing the language. We can have someone to translate, but it's harder.
0: Yeah, it is. It is harder. And because you're doing two things now, you're trying to teach them what you think and also teach them English, which is like, that's difficult to do. And that's what makes it time consuming, I assume, for for doing a mission outside.
1: Even Canada is a very, you know, it's it's not even British English. It's it's American English. It's easier for us. How are taught in the Philippines? It's American English. Mm. But when I stay there to to do mission for more than two years, most of the people that because I I I was a youth minister, mm. so I my my focus in is in the youth ministry, gotcha. and most of the young people that. I deal with are born and raised or at least raised in Canada most of them are Filipino still but they're Canadians really so the challenge for me is to first that, that really the accent when it comes to language
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> my first 3 months there was like at you, you you mean this word you know what i mean like, <laughs> yes yes <laughs> <laughs> i felt so fob my gosh i felt so fob <laughs> but the, i have to adapt the accent not be pretentious mm. but for me to really connect yes because there's a language barrier mm. even if it's just an accent yeah. i was giving a, a talk and then i there's like a word that I kept on repeating and someone really had the courage to ask, What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what
0: word, What do you remember what word you use?
1: Okay. The word goes in Filipino is martyr. Okay. So for me, so like would you rather be a mystic or martyr? And they were like, huh?
0: Martyr Nivera? <laughs> yeah.
1: And to them it's martyr. 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 So like a lot. Mm. evangelization to us it's evangelization data for us to them it's data
0: you were in the mission you were your role was essentially to spread knowledge to to get to know god but then in doing that there's a lot of gaps people don't understand what you mean and then it's a good thing that people would stop you and tell you hey what is it exactly that you mean because that means that they really are interested with what you're saying but what if there are people that Okay, I, uh, I didn't understand, and so I just you know, let it through. Yes,
1: yes. That's true. I remember, <laughs> I was in Rome in 2012, mm. and I was with someone from Argentina. Mm. So we were hosted an Italian family, but the, the family can speak the, the English. But the person I was with in that foster family, she can't speak English very well. Okay, we communicate. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad, yeah. we can make it through Google <laughs> Translate. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> i can relate <laughs> so you have an intermediary google as the middleman now that you mentioned that i only know a few italian i only know spaghetti maybe so maybe that's the only conversation i can have with that okay. person
1: yeah before i went to europe i really assumed that i can survive or mm. like it's okay because i speak english i was assuming that they too can speak english or mm. like conversational at least yeah. but no because everything there is in their language. Yes. I, I had a hard time when I was in Rome. Mm. Like, we were lost and it. I had a hard time asking direction.
0: It's good now we have Google Translate, but I can imagine in those 11 years, there must be moments that you didn't have Google in your pocket. And so yeah. you just have to be more resourceful. I don't know how you survived yeah. Sign language, yeah, but,
1: maybe? <laughs> yeah. But funny though, you can't fully trust Google. No, I, right. I, going back to the story of, of mm. that housemate. So there was this one, one time that we could not reach each other mm-hmm. and we don't have internet. So we end up going home by ourselves or separately. Mm. So we went home. I met our host on my way home. And then they asked me about this housemate or like Mm. that friend from Argentina. She came like 30 minutes after me. And so we were talking through Google Translate. And then I said something. Mm. And then her expression was so puzzled.
0: Okay. Really.
1: <laughs> because in her translation, or it, what I said was something that has a word that hooked up. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, no.
1: up with black.
0: Okay. <laughs> and then it translated into?
1: Hook <laughs> up? Google translated.
0: <laughs> Google took it to the extreme. Maybe you already had a yes. child. Did you have any experience with an Asian country as well?
1: Oh, Asian country, just Indonesia. Oh. Well, they said that it's especially for Bisaya. Now. Mm. For Filipinos, it's it's easy to learn Bahasa, but because I was just there, like it was a short visit. For I was just there for preparation for an event and it was really hard so hard mm. because i can't speak the language so i sh- i was always with someone who can speak the language yeah because they can't really speak english
0: mm.
1: so we're preparing for a summit for right. our top leaders because couples for crisis present globally mm. i was talking to the manager mm. um, there, in that hotel there were only a few people that can talk English. So we would discussed about the accommodation, the setup, you know, the details. The
0: logistics, yeah. It
1: was my fault for not or it was the lack of knowledge maybe or understanding of their culture. Mm-hmm. So we agreed with the meals, the menu for that summit. I told the manager that you can serve I know that they you know um Indonesian if it's not spicy then it is not tasty. That's their culture. Yes. So I told them that uh, you can serve food with spices but make it less spicy. Mm. And so, come the event, first meal, <laughs> I was so shocked because like everyone, mm. you know, like, you know when you eat something super spicy that your your lips turns red and swollen?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> that's what happened?
1: Because, yeah, that's that what happened. Like oh. everyone... <laughs> Everyone was eating a f- because it was so delicious, mm. but like it was so spicy. <laughs> and so I was talking to like manager, and he said that yeah, I, it's not spicy. It's less spicy. I told the the chef, and then he he tasted the food. It's it's not spicy. <laughs> An area like that. This is like not spicy. Less spicy is very subjective. Yes.
0: In Indonesian level.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the level, right? Like it's 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 very subjective. Like yes. for me, like that's super spicy, but to them, it's not even spicy. <laughs> but really that event really we had a lot of miscommunication all of our problems was because of miscommunication
0: that's amazing and in that example yeah. even though you communicated in english and they understood what you mean it's just that the level was yeah, yeah. subjective <laughs> so everybody became angelina jolie after the event
1: when you go to a place it is safe to have a, especially in a place where there are a few Filipinos, mm. it's good to have a friend who is a native ah. in that country. Yeah, somebody so who has lived
0: there for a long time knows the context yes, clues,
1: understands the context. Yeah. Like you can ask someone mm. in all the places that I went. Basic, really, ask before you visit the country. Mm. Like even even if you're just a tourist, you know. Yes. Ask someone or do your research. What is offensive in that country? Because
0: that's one way to get deported.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I have this friend mm. who went on mission to Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, okay. He didn't know that in that country, any camouflage...
0: Is it like military fatigue type? uh uh-uh, that one. Okay. Uh-uh.
1: Anything that has that pattern or color is not allowed in the country. Ooh. So he didn't know. When he arrived in Trinidad and Tobago, his bag was like a military pattern. Oh, it was, no. It was, was so close to being deported. Oh.
0: That's that's dangerous. Like <laughs> even as as simple as that, like you wouldn't think it's a big deal, but yeah. yeah, yeah oh wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's it's really important that you have to know what is offensive for this particular country or what is allowed. So do your research.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much, Atishane. This has been a very insightful conversation. Closing words from you, Atishane, If people listening to this conversation want to know you more, where where would people find you?
1: Yeah, you can you can follow me. Um, On my Instagram, Facebook, and I have a YouTube channel because I'm vlogging my journey. So please follow me at Krista Shane, C R Y S T H A S H A Y N E to all the platforms.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I actually checked your uh, vlog site. I enjoyed the one where you mentioned empowering women. The message about why guys are so different. Oh, it's it's because p- guys are assumed to initiate. I, I like those kinds of conversations. I think we need more of those content. So please, Atishain, more power to your channel.
1: Thank you. God bless. You. And more power to your podcast too.